Welcome to the Kate Languages podcast. I'm your host, Kate Clifton. I'm a former MFL teacher who left the classroom in 2017 to set off on my own adventure. Since then, I've developed my passion for helping teachers through creating time-saving teaching resources, delivering language lessons and CPD to languages teachers, and of course, through this podcast. I've had some wonderful feedback from teachers about how my work is helping them with their everyday teaching, and I love connecting with teachers from all over the world. To get in touch, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm at Kate Languages on both, or you can email me through my website, katelanguages.co.uk. But for now, grab a cuppa, although maybe not if you're listening in the car. Sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Kate Languages podcast. How are you? Welcome back to another episode of the Kate Languages podcast. This is season six, episode four. And today I'm going to be talking about stretch and challenge. So one of the reasons I'm talking about this is because I'm actually going to be doing a two hour workshop on this topic. So effective extension tasks, stretching and challenging in MFL. And that's going to be on the 16th of March, 2024. That's a Saturday morning, as always. You can sign up for that on my website, katelanguages.co.uk. Don't worry if you're listening to this way in the future and thinking, oh, that workshop sounded good. As with all of my workshops, I'm going to record it and the recording will be available on the website. So I did mention at the beginning of this season that I'm overhauling my website a little bit. So If you're listening to this at the point where it is completely overhauled and you can't just purchase single things, you do have the option to purchase all of my CPD. So it's all my past CPD and sign up for lifetime access to all of my CPD. So you can do that on the website as well. Okay, so katelanguages.co.uk, however you're going to access that. But when this episode is released before the workshop, you can still just sign up to it separately on the website. So yeah, so hopefully I'll see lots of you there. So um, yeah, so stretching and challenging. I think I might say some things in this episode and subsequently in the workshop that might challenge, haha, might challenge people's perceptions of terms like high ability, gifted and talented and things like that. Like I don't want to go too left field and too crazy. But I do think, um, yeah, I wonder if people's mindsets changing a little bit about this and has changed in recent years. And I would be so fascinated to get your feedback on this as well. So as always, you can email me through the website, katelanguages.co.uk, or you can get in touch with me through Instagram and Facebook. I'm at katelanguages on both. So yeah, so when I was still teaching, as I've said a few times this season, seven years ago, well, it was actually sort of eight, nine years ago, I was the gifted and talented coordinator in my school. And that was across all subjects and all year groups. It was a whole school role. And I loved it. I took the kids to Cambridge University a few times. I tried to, you know, have like clubs and things like that and really work with the kids and really try to enthuse other subjects and get them doing various different things. And I read loads of stuff about it and and I really liked it. And for me, it was a little bit of, when I was at school, 
it's quite difficult to say this without me now saying like, oh, I was gifted and talented. When I was at school, I found school very easy. Let's put it that way. I very easily got A stars and A's. I got two B's at GCSE. So, and I was devastated with those B's. But no, I, you know, I, I really easily got A stars and A's and B's. I worked like, you know, I wasn't really, really lazy, but I always did the minimum. And this is something I'm going to talk about actually. And in hindsight, it doesn't matter necessarily that I wasn't pushed too much academically. I don't know, because I did get the grades and then I went off to a brilliant university and I loved university. For me, the first time I felt really, really challenged academically was when I did my master's. I hope that doesn't come across as arrogant or anything in any way. I really, really hope it doesn't come across that way because I'm just saying that's that's reality. And I did feel challenged by my master's. And I think I wanted to be gifted and talented coordinator because I hadn't necessarily felt really pushed at school. I think there was a bit of a like, oh, well, she'll do fine. So we just kind of let her crack on. I was quite naughty. And again, this is something I'm going to talk about because I was bored. And yeah, and I wanted to provide a different experience for the so-called high ability, gifted and talented, whatever you call them within the school. Funnily enough, I did this for two years. I thought I was doing really, really, I thought I was doing a great job. And then they're like, oh yeah, we haven't got any funding for that anymore. So you're not going to do that, but you're going to be head of German. And I was like, I don't want to be head of German, but I guess I'll have to be. Um, (laughs) So yeah, it's just me being like super honest right now. So yeah, so that was a shame. And I had really enjoyed it. um, And I'd really enjoyed working with this group of students. But now I'm not 100% convinced that it's necessary and I'll try and explain what I mean by that in this podcast episode and in the workshop and that my thoughts now I'm trying to articulate them as kind of briefly as possible and then I will go into more detail my thoughts now are that stretch and challenge is something for everyone it's not just something that is reserved for and frankly like the way that we chose a gift and talented was how well they'd done at their sats in year six which is not always a really good indicator of actually how able they are or, you know, what their achievement's going to be at GCSE. And I'm not saying that all students are going to do the exact same work and that they are all going to get the same grades at GCSE. Obviously, that doesn't happen and people have different strengths and different things. But my thoughts, and I might be a bit idealistic about this, I don't know, my thoughts are moving away from this labelling of high ability, middle ability, low ability, gifted and talented, other than obvious SEND. I'm not saying that some students don't have SEND and I know that some students really struggle with literacy and they struggle with other things as well and they need supporting and they need help. But there is no reason why those students shouldn't be extended and challenged as well. Okay, so traditionally we have thought of the kind of high ability students as, you know, ones who can just do stuff really quickly they just get it. They just understand it. Da, 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 da. And I think that is that is still true to a certain extent. And that you will always have, you know, one or two or a handful of students in your class who are like that. And one of the reasons why stretching and challenging these students in particular, but all students, one of the reasons is, as I just said, I was a bit naughty because I was bored at school because I wasn't challenged academically necessarily. So If they're not challenged, it can lead to behaviour issues. And that's not saying that all behaviour issues are the fault of the teacher because you're not 
creating challenging work for them. But I'm just saying that from my own experience, kids who are bored can be really badly behaved. I mean, I wasn't like really badly behaved, but I definitely could have been better behaved, especially in about year nine. So, yeah. And also stretching and challenging is important for achievement, is important for enjoyment. And again, this all does lead back to behavior management and to just making the classroom environment (laughs) quite a nice place. I think sometimes we we mislabel students, which again is another argument for ensuring that stretch and challenge is available to all students. Quite often, and I've got to say, in my experience, this tends to be boys, the naughtiest boy in the class can be labelled as even SEN or even low ability or, you know, a problem child. Actually, they are super intelligent. And again, I think intelligence is a difficult one. And I think this is something that we we need to think about in more detail as well. And understanding that people have different types of intelligence and that intelligence isn't set. That it's, you know, when we think about growth mindset and all that kind of stuff, intelligence is something that can be molded and changed and developed. So, but yeah, so I think going away from saying like this boy and I'm sorry, often it is boys, but it can be girls. So this child is badly behaved. Therefore, they must be low ability. Therefore, I'm going to put them in the bottom set. Therefore, you know, and and then they're going to be bored and then they're going to behave even worse. So I think we really, really need to be aware of that and ensuring that all students are given work that stretches and challenges them can go a long way to avoiding those kind of issues. Another question here is whether you do have different sets or whether you have mixed ability classes. I'm not going to talk about that in detail in this episode. This could be, you know, a completely different podcast episode for sure, (laughs) whether you put, especially in MFR, whether you put them in sets or not. So, yeah, so I think it's hard to not label kids and you've got data and you've got target grades and you've got all that kind of stuff that, you know, you've got this pressure to label kids and to put them into certain pigeonholes. And if you want to sort of, you know, go beyond the, like I say, the SAT scores and the predicted grades and things like that, look at the type of child they are. So looking at, you know, how much you want to stretch and challenge them and how you can stretch and challenge them. Look at the type of child they are and the things that they might do. So (laughs) these are two things that are totally contradictory, but could indicate to you that a child is, you know, like I said, I keep, I want to go away from these labels, but is more able, is potentially a child who needs extra, extra, extra stretching. Students who rush their work, but also students who work slowly. Okay. So this sounds a bit strange. (laughs) So I, I I think I probably did both of these. I rushed my work if I just didn't want to do it. So like maths, I just used to rush my work so I could just chat to my friends. In other subjects, I might just work really slowly because there was never anything extra for me to do. So I would just fill the time. My mum said this about from when I was tiny. If I was given an hour to do something, I would take an hour to do it. If I was given 10 minutes to do something, I would do it in 10 minutes. So just filling the time by faffing or like rubbing things out and making your handwriting neater, which doesn't add anything to your learning whatsoever. So actually looking for both of those things. If you're finding that certain students are rushing their work, 
or that they're working super slowly when you know that they understand it and you're like, why are you working so slowly? So that could be an indicator that they need more challenge in the lessons. An issue that you might find with certain students who always get really good grades, they always get 10 out of 10, they've got, you know, really good SAT scores, they've got really high GCSE target grades and predictions and things like that. They can often be very risk averse. And again, I think back to myself and a lot of students I've taught, and I'm trying not to be stereotypical with this, but possibly girls more than boys, that you got kind of like this good girl thing where you're like, I have to do everything right. Everything has to be perfect. And they're really risk averse. And encouraging students like that to push themselves to make mistakes and celebrating their mistakes is really key here. Okay, so this is looking at your students and figuring out, are they being pushed enough? Are they being challenged enough? And how you need to set up an atmosphere in your class where you are celebrating mistakes that you can learn from and that you can improve and increase progress and things like that. So trying to target those students who are risk averse, trying to deal with that. And again, all this does go back to behavior management. I think a lot of behavior issues like I say, it's not all the teacher's fault. I'm not saying it's the teacher's fault, but can be avoided or at least decreased when you become more aware of the individuals in your class and why they are doing certain things that they're doing. So one way that you can stretch and challenge, and as I keep saying, all of your students, it doesn't just have to be like, oh, I'm going to cream off the top 10% in each class and I'm just only going to stretch and challenge them. Actually, if you have ever read Mary Myatt's curriculum book, I feel like I've talked about this quite a lot on the podcast. It's honestly one of the best books I've ever read on education. She talks about in her book how challenge should be for everybody, that some of the kids who are labelled the lower ability kids feel quite hard done by sometimes, just like, why do they get to do the interesting, challenging work? You know, why can't I do that? And then some of the more able kids, again, labelled more able kids, feel like, why should I have to work through the boring stuff to get to the more interesting stuff? So think about how you're actually setting up the work in the lessons for students. The one thing I would say on this as well is do not create tons of different worksheets for different levels in the class. I am a massive advocate. And if you've downloaded my resources, if you've downloaded any of the full lessons in particular, if you've listened to the stuff I've done on exploiting one text, I do not advocate for tons and tons of differentiation or adaptive teaching or whatever they're calling it whenever you listen to this podcast episode, because it'll probably be different. (laughs) Sorry, slight sarcasm there. So like, don't create different activities and different worksheets for different students. My whole philosophy of exploiting one text is about taking one text and then, yes, you have scaffolding for students who might struggle to access that text. And yes, you have extension tasks for students who will get through it quickly and will understand it in depth and want to understand it in more detail and want to change things or, you know, do more things. I'll I'll give a couple of examples of extension tasks in a moment. So yeah, so that's one thing I would definitely say that don't do color-coded worksheets with like these, these are for the lower, whatever you might call them in your class as well. Like these are the lower ability, these are middle, these are higher. Everybody should be given the same work 
equity is about everybody having access to the same things, but you make it easier for everybody to kind of be able to do it on the same level. One of the best ever like cartoons I've ever seen about the concept of equity, and I think this is really, really relevant here, so bear with me, is the difference between equality and equity. So equality, (laughs) the cartoon is like three kids trying to look over a wall at a football match or something. I'm trying to picture it in my head. And they're different heights, okay? And equality is that they all just stand on the ground. They're all, you know, is because it's equal. And one of them can't see over the over the thing to watch a football match. And one of them is tall enough so he can see it, right? Equity is giving the smaller one a box to stand on so that he can see over the top. I really hope that makes sense. It's a really good cartoon. I'll see if I can find it to share it on my social media this week just to kind of make this point. But yeah, and this this is what you're thinking about when you're thinking about like what works to give your students so that they can all access challenging work, but it feels challenging to all of them. Okay, so for some students, it might be so challenging that they need some help and scaffolding. For some, it isn't that challenging. So that's where you need to start thinking of extension tasks. And that's why in the two hour workshops, I'm going to go into this in a lot more detail then. In the two hour workshop, I am going to give you ideas for extension tasks. But I kind of want to go through this now in this episode so that you can listen to this before the workshop. So you're not expecting just a bunch of like stuff that you can do with your class just for one or two pupils because I don't necessarily believe that's you know that's that's what you need to be doing I think extension tasks can be for everybody as well you can't predict how somebody is going to respond to a certain thing that you are doing but yes always have scaffolding and always have extension tasks simple extension tasks can literally be translate the text into English okay One that I really love doing, if you've got a text with different, you know, five questions in English, your extension task can be, think of two or three more questions. So if you're writing your resources yourself, or if you're using my type of resources, there'll always be more stuff in the text that hasn't been asked in any questions and more in-depth questions. So, or even like, why do you, you know, why do you think the person was feeling the way they were or why... Did they say, why did they say X, Y, or Z? And again, this doesn't just have to be for the highest ability kids. Like all students can do that kind of thing. Once they have got to grips with a text, they can then start to ask more questions about the text and go into it in more depth. A lovely thing to do is to transpose the text. So not translating, transposing from either the first person into the third person or the present tense into the past tense, things like that. That is really, really challenging, actually. For you, as a fluent speaker, you probably forget quite how challenging these things can be. And again, get everybody to attempt to do it. If this is a task that you want the class to do, and the difference with the challenge is the amount of scaffolding that you give for some of the students. So if you're doing from present tense into past tense, assuming you've taught the past tense like don't try and do this if you haven't already taught it but if you're yes if you're trying to get them to transpose from the present tense into the past tense for example some students will love the challenge of just trying to do it off the top of their head okay some students will need scaffolding so the scaffolding could be that you give them 
like the verbs. So you give them the past participles, for example, but in the wrong order. You know, you make sure you've underlined all of the verbs and you've got the past participles so that they can just pick the right past participle and then put it into the text properly. Things like that. So that's what I mean by giving all students the same task, but making sure that for some, they don't need scaffolding. They can just fly off and do it all by themselves. And for others, they do need that support. One more thing I'm going to talk about in this episode that is really, really good for challenging, again, all students, is using authentic texts. I actually think one of the best, (laughs) it sounds a bit weird, one of the best things about the new GCSE is honestly... I think it frees up Key Stage 3 a lot more. I think only having to learn 1,200 or 1,700 words, it's a very limited GCSE. It's very basic. I don't actually think it will take you more than two years to teach it. I don't think you need to think, oh my gosh, I need to start with Year 7 because there's so much content, you know, we're never going to cover it. So, you know, that could be a, a real benefit of the new GCSE. So I think it really, really frees up Key Stage 3 to be a lot more creative, to do a lot more cultural stuff, to do a lot more authentic text. So poems and short stories, articles. I have probably mentioned this a few times on the podcast. I bang on about it all the time. Agile Renectu is just the most wonderful website for short videos, for short articles. In German, ZDF or ZDF, the um, German TV. Oh gosh, I'm thinking in German now. TV channels that they have a children's news program called Logo Nachrichten, which is also wonderful. And I said this before and I keep saying it. I've never found anything as good in Spanish. I'm sorry. But there are things out there in Spanish for sure. So these types of websites, I just think are absolutely wonderful for taking a short article or a short video. And there is absolutely no reason why you can't do these with your students. Now, as I keep saying, you will need scaffolding. You will need to help them with it. You will need to work through it with them. But the challenge for all kids of being able to understand an authentic video in the target language or an authentic article, and especially if it's something that they're actually interested in, you know, so the, the wonderful thing about Angel Renectu and Logo Nachrichten is that they are aimed at children and they use topical events that children might be talking about, you know, in the outside world. And it's stuff that's relevant. It's a bit more interesting than just like, what did you do last weekend? So, you know, <laughs> sorry, but it, it is stuff that is relevant to their lives. It's interesting. It's stuff they want to know about, that they want to learn about. It could be stuff that they're doing in other subjects as well. Find out what they're doing in other subjects and bring that in. And use authentic material to stretch and challenge them. And again, not just for the students in your class who are labelled as the high ability, gifted and talented. There is no reason, and I know this because I have done this with Mixed Ability Year 9, there is no reason why you can't present something like this in a way you know, in such a way that every single person in the class can access it, can understand it. It might take a bit more work from you and the the differentiation or adaptive teaching element of that, as I keep saying, is the scaffolding that some children really, really, really need very, very solid, secure foundations. But the point of this is it really, really challenges the more able students. And you don't need to give them as much and you can let them go off and try and understand it themselves and sit there with a dictionary and figure out some words and, you know, figure out what it all means whilst you are supporting other students with 
for example, a vocabulist, for example, the translation of the text, but just in the wrong order. So they just like matching the paragraphs in the target language to the paragraphs in English and figuring that out for themselves, which is extremely challenging for a lot of kids. And in fact, could be for the entire class, you know, depending on your class, like that type of activity could be really, really challenging, you know, if, if it's an authentic text. And turning authentic texts so you know particularly things like poems or short stories profiles of famous people or important historical figures things like that turning them into a longer project and the beauty of that the challenge of that for all students is that they can push it as far as they want so you give them the input of the information of the you know the story or the poem or whatever And then they get to be creative and they get to push their creativity as far as they possibly can. Now, projects and things like that are going to take more than one lesson. So you've got your input for it could be for two lessons, three lessons. It could be for three or four weeks. And by the end of a half term, you give them a couple of weeks to really create something. Again, this is something that Mary Myatt talks about of beautiful work that you are giving them the time to really push themselves and challenge themselves as much as you challenging them to create something absolutely wonderful. Okay, so that's all I'm going to talk about for today. As I say, I'm doing a two-hour workshop on this on the 16th of March, and I'm going to be going into more depth about my philosophy on this. So what do I mean by stretch and challenge and giving a few more examples and ideas for the types of activities that you can do with all children. Okay. So if you're just looking for a tick box exercise for Ofsted or for your SLT to be like, oh, what are you doing for your high ability kids? I don't know if this is the right thing for you because that's not what I believe. As I say, I think my my thoughts have changed quite a lot on this. So If that's what you're looking for, it might not be the right thing. If you really like what you've heard in this podcast episode and you want to dive into it in more detail, then I can highly, highly recommend coming along to this workshop. Or if you've missed it, just buying it and, you know, reading through the PowerPoint, watching the video in your own time, working through it at your own pace. If you'd like me to come and deliver some CPD in person, or if you'd like me to do a bespoke CPD session for your school or your department, you know, your trust, whatever, then do get in touch. Again, you can email me through the website katelanguages.co.uk or get in touch on Facebook and Instagram. I'm at Kate Languages on both. And let me know your thoughts. Is this what's happening in your school? You know, are are attitudes actually changing or am I living in a bit of a dream world? I'm hoping that attitudes are changing a little bit. Or are you still dividing the class into your haps and laps and maps and whatever acronym people are using these days? So yeah, let me know. I would be really, really, really interested to know. So right, I'll see you next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Kate Languages podcast. If you did, please think about leaving me a five-star review and you can also tag me on social media to let me know you've been listening and let me know your thoughts on the episode. Also, don't forget to subscribe so the next episode of the Kate Languages podcast can be delivered straight to your device as soon as it's released. But until then, auf Wiedersehen, au revoir, adios, bye.